Hi, I'm Lisa Lloyd, and I'd like to welcome you to my podcast, Beyond the Water Cooler. As a psychologist, psychotherapist, and business owner of It's Time for Change, I meet so many talented individuals who are aligned with my mantra, get people right, get business right. I'm going to be talking to some of these super interesting people who have stories, insights, and strategies to share about what it takes to be a great company with inspiring leadership, awesome culture, and a wow workforce. So let's dive in. This episode is a little bit different. My guests, Andrew, Stuart, Anna, Mike, Ali, Charlotte, and Sally, were kind enough to share what they have learned about themselves on their journeys to becoming inspirational leaders. Whether it is about what they would leave behind, take into the future, or what they want others to be doing for their organizations, there are some real gems of advice here. I asked three questions. Well, actually it was four as I had a two-parter. So let's kick off with the first one. If you could rewind 10 years, what advice would you give to yourself? Okay, so I think I would say that the things that you want to happen in life invariably don't happen or don't happen very frequently unless you make them happen. Mm. Um, And um, certainly um, as a more junior lawyer, maybe going back more than 10 years ago, but there is invariably confidence issues. You're not as comfortable in your own skin, not as assured, concerned more about how people perceive you and what they think of you, scared or maybe apprehensive about taking risks or sharing your opinions or taking a punt or having a go. Um, And um, I don't think there's too many opportunities in life that necessarily I've missed out on by being too cautious. But ultimately, if you want something, you need to be proactive and and go out there and get it. And don't be afraid of failure because failing, especially failing upwards, is a really important um, process to go through. So, yeah, just just give it a go. Put your head above the parapet and and have a go. I would. I would probably advise myself to learn, learn even more about myself to actually gain, ask for more feedback on, you know, how people are experiencing working with me, how people experience working for me. And I would, I would embrace that and face into that because sometimes you hear things about yourself you don't want to hear, but actually it's a tremendous source of personal growth. So that, that would be something that would be, uh, I would face into that. When 10 years ago, I, w- I could have done more than I did. Don't lose faith. You do get to change things eventually. To me, this is about the idea of no surprise at all. It's to do with motivating staff, motivating individuals. So I would tell myself 10 years ago when I was director of the office in Singapore with a team of around 35 staff at the time, I would tell myself to be spending much more of my time motivating, developing the staff and recognizing that as a director, as I was then or manager as I am now of another team, that I need to lead that team and give my time to leading that team and to developing those individuals and talking with those individuals much more. 
and spend much less time in nitty gritty work type things, uh, which are potentially, some of it was really quite similar to some of the work that the team were doing. It's just that I'd come from where they were and therefore I found it rather easy to go back into some of that. I didn't realize at the time how critical it was to be spending so much time with the staff and how motivating and developing the staff could actually help me to meet some of my big goals that my bosses were setting me. So that, that, would, be, that would be mine. Don't stress so much about stuff that doesn't matter. Mm. Uh, don't feel the pressure from anybody else. Um, and it doesn't matter if you don't have a plan. Um, be a lot kinder to myself. Trust it that trust my gut um, much more. Um, you know, trust the fact that doing the right things by people does net results. Don't listen to other things. Just trust myself, and 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 just be a bit bolder. Mm. Like, be a bit more myself. Mm. So I thought about this quite a lot. Um, I think I think it would be to trust the people around me. Um, I, I think it's what I've learned is that the, the people around me trust me, their mm. belief in me, which perhaps I haven't always uh, understood, but also their ability, their ability to cope, the fact that they don't need my protection, um, the fact that they have the answers to the questions and that they can deliver stuff. And, and, and that then takes it away from me. Mm. Um, I, wish, I wish I'd known that a bit earlier. <laughs> <laughs> there were several key points that stood out for me. The need to take control of what you want to happen in life, to actively pursue goals and to park that feeling of anxiety, need for caution and worry about failure that really came through here. Also the importance of seeking feedback to promote personal growth. But alongside that, the need not to lose faith and to be bolder, more authentic and kinder to yourself and not to let the stress and pressure in. It's interesting how we have a wide perspective as time goes on so that we realize the things we worried about actually weren't really worth that emotional investment after all. Also close to my heart was Ali's observation that plans aren't always necessary. And then there was the recognition of the need to increase the time spent leading people to motivate and develop them, which is so much more than getting stuck into the nitty gritty as less about people. Of course, that helps us to trust the people around us more. So let's move on to question two. What two things have you learned about yourself during your career and what one thing would you leave in the past? Okay, so I think, first of all, I would say that I've discover that I'm quite calm in a crisis. Um, I'm quite level-headed, um, regardless of- With your job. <laughs> well, exactly, yeah, it's, 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 it's a useful trait. Um, and my colleagues may disagree with me, I don't know, but I, I do think that um, whatever gets thrown at me, I'm able to think with clarity um, and um, with um, some precision about the best way to move forward. Uh, I don't get panicked particularly easily. Um, and I'm able to maintain a sort of a, a level head regardless of what's thrown at us. So um, I'd, I'd like to think that's that's one thing, certainly, that I've learned that I'm able to, to keep going and to handle crises reasonably well. Um, as far as the other things concerned, 
I think one thing that I have learned and something that I've improved on is uh, emotional intelligence. Mm. And actually, in a way, I think that's something that I've learned through training and through uh, development opportunities I've had with the firm, but also, frankly, something I developed um, through being a parent as well. Mm. Um, and learning to see things from the perspective of my kids um, and also my two children are very different personalities as well and recognizing that dealing with one of them in a particular way will gain me a completely different response and a completely different outcome than I, than I would have if I approach uh, the same issue with the same way with the other child. So it's about recognizing um, the desires, wants and needs of other people and it's you often hear the phrase, don't you, I'm putting yourself in someone's shoes. Mm. But I think it's actually slightly more than that, because mm. it's not enough to just simply say, well, how would I feel if I was in that situation? Because I'm a middle-aged, middle-class white man. Yes. And so how I would feel about that is not the same way that yes. someone with a yes. diff completely different set of circumstances and experiences would feel about it. So it's that extra step, I think, about recognising that I might feel that that's over the top. I might feel that that's unnecessary. I might feel that's an overreaction. But who cares what I would think? It's how that person would feel about it. So I, I, again, I like to think that's something I developed and I've got better at. It's certainly something I can continue to build on, but I'd like to think I've, that's something that I've, I've developed and got better at during my career. Which I like the fact that you have attributed that partly to training because there's a bit of an ongoing debate about um, does training actually impact on emotional intelligence um, it's something that I do and I engage with people and it's always interesting when you hear people give the other arguments it's nice to speak to someone who says that they've they've kind of learned from that and I think your point is really valid about um, not staying in someone else's shoes because your perspective your reality there's no such thing as, as there is one reality uh, even if you stand in someone else's shoes, because everyone's perspective is so different based on their beliefs and their experience and, and so on. So um, you're very insightful on that. Um, again, <laughs> as I'd expect you to be, Andy. What one thing would you leave in the past? Um, I think that I would like to be more spontaneous. Okay. I think that, um, again, going back to parenting, it's something that I've recognised that if one of my kids asked me to do a sit down and do a board game with them that's fine I'll get the rules out I'll read the rules we'll read the rules we'll play the game if when my son was a bit younger he wants to engage in some imaginative play with me I would be find that more challenging yeah. because I'm not naturally a hugely creative person or at least when I was younger I didn't really do much that sort of uh, released or uh, enabled me to express my creativity and so yeah, I, I would like to be able to be more spontaneous, more creative, more um, freer, I suppose, um, in the way that I think and engage with things. I'm very much, I have a plan and I like to see things going a particular way. And then if that plan doesn't go, or if I'm told to rip that up and start again, and I've only got 20 minutes to do it, oh, I find that really challenging because I've thought about this. I know what I want to do. So yeah, I'd, I'd like to put that behind me and be a bit more spontaneous and able to be more creative on the hoof I think. I've learned that probably the most important thing I've learned is to believe that everything is possible and to have um, to have a keep an open mindset because not everything you plan happens as you plan it mm. and and over a, over a period of time things impact you 
both positively and negatively that you had no consciousness of, you know, the things that you never knew were going to happen. And I kind of call it in a way, it's like an invisible balance sheet of, you know, incomes and, and outgoings. And, um, and I've kind of learned that, you know, to have an open mind and believe that anything is possible, you know, and, and keep, keep hope at the center of absolutely everything, whether it's a business challenge, where something negative has happened to you or to the business that you can recover from it. You can, mm. you can, you can turn something from an issue into mm. a, into an opportunity. Mm. And, um, you know, I've, I've also learned as well that, you know, by believing in people, you can give them a tremendous boost in their own lives and their careers. And I, and I think when you're in a position of seniority or influence, and where people, you know, happen to respect you. If you, if you believe in someone and you tell them you believe in them, you tell them they're capable of achieving something, they can go on to do that. And, um, you know, I've, I was fortunate enough when I was managing director of a hearing company in the UK, you know, I look back now and four of the people on my management team are all now managing directors, <laughs> you know, and actually proportionately, they shouldn't be. I mean, yeah. they're managing directors of large organizations. Yeah. And, you know, and 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 that, you know, partly I put that down to the fact that I believed in their capabilities. Mm. And, you know, and 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 I learned that because somebody believed in me at, at the right time when such I was good doubting evidence. myself and I made a step forward. Yeah, that's such good yeah. evidence. And a great them. evidence. Yeah. And I use and I use it and I use it proactively. So, yeah. you know, that's uh that's a really important learning for me. What one thing would you leave in the past then? I tend not to kind of have, I don't tend to have regrets. I'm not no. somebody who kind of, because I, I kind of see that as a kind of a negative thought process in a way. So I tend not, I think even if something pretty, pretty tough has happened or pretty bad has happened and I've kind of made that transition, then um, you, you just kind of learn from it and keep going. Um, you know, don't look in the rear view mirror rearview mirror too often so um i don't want to make it sound like an arrogance but and i did give some thought to this question in advance but there's kind of there's nothing there that i, I kind of really want to want to leave in the, you know leave in the past i would just want to take things with me and keep learning from them uh the first one would be that empathy is a positive quality i think that you're very much told that it's not necessarily um, something that, you know, you couldn't write it on a CV and you couldn't, you know, you, you couldn't go into a, a company and be taken seriously if you suggested that this was something that was uh, an extremely strong part of your, um, you know, of your, uh, like your professional experience. But it is, it is, a, it is an extremely positive thing and something that I will continue to fly the flag for um, in the future and the other thing as well is that um, and, and, and also um, very related to is that I have a real passion for positive change I do not want to I don't want to, to miss an opportunity to do something that helps other people mm. and while I you know while I can't necessarily um, you know build the you know build products that you know only help you know people in need um you know something you have to be realistic about it but also like what else can I do that actually 
um, encourages positive change for other people. So things like mentoring, um, making changes in the team, um, constantly improving, um, and then also just trying to be a resource for other people as well. What one thing would you leave in the past? Um, there are a lot of things, <laughs> uh, but I think it can be summed up as doubt and fear and, and, and those things being the thing that motivates you and drives you. Mm. Um, I don't, I don't think it's ever healthy to be driven by fear and to have that as the, as you know, the sort of fear of failure or the fear of not being good enough or the fear of not delivering. It's not, it's not something that you, you need to recognize if it's happening to you and do something about it because it's, it, it, it will just drive you into the ground in the end. It's not, it's not a good place to be. Yeah, a fear just pushes you away from something, doesn't it? Whereas reward or positivity pulls you towards it. And it's that's yeah. so much, much, much more positive. I, I would say that I've learned that I can be a perfectionist and that it has its good sides and its bad sides. And, you know, in some ways it's fairly obvious. Being a perfectionist, well, you can be good because you get a wonderful job done. And if somebody's after quality and perfection, then you're going to deliver on it. But the bad side to that is that you can really end up spending a lot of time getting that final detail correct. And it can come at a cost. And that might that cost might be small. It might just be you've missed a deadline, but you did deliver a perfect job. Or it might be something rather large, such as you're just doing far too much stuff, far too many tasks. Yes, you're hitting all, you know, all the balls going in all the nets. You are performing amazingly in terms of meeting your immediate goals. You are delivering wonderfully. But are you meeting your end goals of you are still going to be functioning correctly in a year's time from now, whilst you carry on getting all these balls in all these goals? Probably not, because it's not achievable in the long run. And I think that's one of the key factors I've learned is that perfection is fine in the right place and to the right extent, but you got to keep it realistic anything else apart from the perfectionism is there one more thing that you think you'd want to keep hold of in the future i think it's that classic one get the work-life balance right i wouldn't say i had it wrong in a big way before but it certainly wasn't where it should have been with the benefit of hindsight um it wasn't it wasn't in a bad place before but um you know, you only live once. So get it, get it right to the best of your judgment and keep assessing yourself with an horrendously open mind so that you can be self-critical. And if you don't have that open mind, then speak to people who know you well to get those other views of where you are at the moment, where you've been in the past, maybe where you should be in the future but um, get it right. And what one thing would you leave in the past? Is it is it the bit of the perfectionism that you're going to drop? <laughs> or is there anything else? So I haven't been able to put my finger on this one yet. And 
I'm going to send you an email afterwards, Lisa, once I've given this a lot more thought, because there will be something, and maybe the gate will open inside my brain, and I'll suddenly come out with a list of five or ten things, but I'm, I'm struggling, and I think it's partly because I struggle sometimes to be self-critical, yet it's so important that I keep realistic, and I know I'm not perfect. I know there will be mistakes um, in the past, um, but with a career hat on, answering that question in that way, then I'm struggling to answer it. But for fun, for fun, I'll tell you an answer on a personal front that I should have said yes to a guy in a bar in Trinidad about 20 years ago about would you like to come sailing on my boat to Grenada? Because I always kick myself that no, I've only got two days holiday left in my calendar. I better get back to my boss in the office. And I should have just said, stuff that. Yes, I'm coming. I'll sort out the boss problem later because this will be amazing. Love it. That's good. And you know what? It's good to have a personal one because I think you're... Um... You know, you're saying about what mistakes, you know, making mistakes in the past, but you wouldn't leave that that's part of who you are, that we all make mistakes and that helps shape shape who we are now. So if we hadn't made those, then we'd be in a different place now and um and you're already dropping a little bit of your perfectionism and leaving a little bit of that behind. So you, you have answered that question. It's a tricky one. I'm I'm gonna veer away from the career and go more on something personal, but you mm. can easily apply it to a career, which is yeah. resilience. I've found out the hard way and through physical challenges that I have a real <laughs> stubborn side or resilient side, which is, I think is a really strong thing to have. Mm. Uh, so I would never change that. And I think that will, will stand me in good stead in the future. Mm. Um, the other thing that I've learned about myself is that, and I actually believe now is that I'm not a bad person. I have believed previously that I'm not good enough or I'm, yeah, it's just not good enough in terms of uh, as an individual and also as a, a an employee, I suppose, as well. You know, always wanting to feel like I'm good enough and never mm. quite really knowing what being good enough means. And now I kind of, I'm a lot more peaceful with that. I feel like I am good enough. I'm experienced, I've, you know, I'm knowledgeable. I've, I'm just a bit more at peace with everything. And I think that will stand me in much better stead than wanting more, if you see what I mean. I love that. Yeah, that's a very different way of looking at it, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. What one thing would you leave in the past? <laughs> Just one thing? One. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what one thing would I leave in the past? Um, I think it's going to be the, yeah, I think it's going to be the confusion over my value mm. or values. Mm. It's clouded me for such a long time that I don't think I've really learned anything from it. Mm. Whereas all the other things that I've been through, you know, addictions and, and real hard times, I've learned so much from that. And I know I would never want to let that go because that is a core part of who I am now. Mm. But the struggles I've had with the values and of success and, you know, trying to be something that I'm probably not, I would definitely leave that behind because it only drags you down. Yeah. Yeah. This one's a trickier one. Um, so one relates to the one I just sort of talked about, which is um, don't be fearful about being myself. Like, like, don't lose that essence of who I am. 
don't think that I have to dress a certain way, be a certain way. I don't. I, I can be really good at my job and I can look, as long as I'm not looking totally terrifying, I'm generally okay. So don't try and modify and tame it. That's definitely one thing. Um, the other thing in my career, um, listening to people and getting finding someone that has my back a little bit and a coach and and you know not being fearful to go and ask somebody for that mm. um sometimes we sometimes sort of like just going up to someone and saying actually I've got a problem not sure how to go through it would you be able to spend a bit of time with me I'd love your perspective on it that it's always helped me to have it um I've got some brilliant advice from it so that's something I want to keep and keep on to. Okay, so what's one thing that you would leave in the past? Oh, gosh, uh, fear, uh, worrying about not taking a bold enough risk. Um, I certainly wouldn't. Yeah, fear is definitely the thing. Fear of speaking up, fear of speaking out, fear of getting it wrong. Let's park that. Let's, yeah. It's a really short life we all get to live, isn't it? Let's be honest. Even if it's get, even if we get to a hundred, this this part of life is a pretty short life. I mean, I think we can afford to take a few risks. I think I'd park fear. Love it. Okay, so the first one is that my values absolutely need to be aligned to the organisation I work for. Um, it, that's that's a non-negotiable. Otherwise, what's what's the point? Um, and I think the second one is kind of linked to the other answer, but that I don't have all the answers and that that's okay. Mm. Um, I, I've learned to accept what I can bring to an organization and equally what I can't bring. Mm. Um, and I think when you start to transition into leadership, you put a lot of pressure on yourself to that you think you need to have all the answers and, and you really don't. And, and I've learned that I don't, but that I can bring other things. I, I, I bring value to the organization without knowing everything. One thing would you leave in the past? Hasty decisions. I can't imagine you making hasty decisions. Oh, in the, honestly, over the years, Lisa, I've <laughs> learned a lot. I, I was, yeah, I, yeah. I wasn't always the most patient and reflective you know and I think it comes from drive I think it comes from a desire to want to be good mm. and it, it's kind of linked to the other questions once you start to realize that you are who you are you can bring value you don't need to be at the front of everything and in charge of everything and saying the most and 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 doing everything really quickly and solving everybody's problem that kind of reflection that avoids the hasty decision mm. has has been really helpful for me I do a lot of self-reflection now and um, whereas I used to just come straight back you know there are so many different responses here which is not surprising because it's such a personal question some of the key points that jumped out for me were things like the ability to stay calm which is a strength an improvement in emotional intelligence, particularly around self-awareness and awareness of others' feelings that's really come through from training and experience. The need to keep an open, positive mindset, to believe in people and promote positive change that helps to shape their future, that empathy is positive, that being a perfectionist can be helpful, but actually it can also get in the way. 
the need for work-life balance, which isn't surprising. The values need to be aligned to the organization. That resilience is something that can develop, that you're good enough and that being authentic is okay. And there's a common ground with the need to be able to ask for help, acknowledging that we don't have all the answers. Charlotte offered a really interesting third point as well about what she has learned, providing a great example about the power of networking. When I was younger, I got told to network and the power of network, and I didn't really understand it. So I just had these very awkward one-to-ones with people, like in the nature of trying to find a coach or something like that. I had these very awkward one-to-ones where I'd turn up. Normally someone had arranged it for me, like my manager would go, you'd be better, let's put you in front of a senior woman and you two can just like mesh and stuff. And I'd sort of sit there and I'd feel really awkward and they'd feel really awkward and I'd get nothing from it and they'd get nothing from it. And we'd awkwardly get through the 30 minutes and go away and go, hope I don't have to do that again. Um, that, that, that. So a third one is actually... What I've enjoyed much more is getting a network, whether that's through the NED network, whether that's through uh, work, but keeping contacts. LinkedIn is a fantastic way of doing it, but keeping contacts alive has been so fruitful in a way that I couldn't have imagined when I got told it so many years ago. Mm. And when it, because as you get older, people change roles, move to different companies, and suddenly your ability to look at where do I want to have my career? Where do I want to go next? Who can help me with this challenge? Who knows something about this? Even down to the charity, like who do I know that knows a bit about raising money in corporate sponsorship? Suddenly you've got this alive network that you can tap into. Yeah. I never really, when you're starting to build it, you don't really understand where you're doing it. It was great to hear a couple of responses that acknowledged that people wouldn't change anything from the past. It's part of who we are, including the challenges that are just as important and not something to erase. There was also more than one mention of the need to leave doubt and fear as drivers in the past, recognizing that they are not helpful motivators. That of course is something I talk a lot about, the difference between being pulled towards something as a positive experience and being pushed away from situations that are uncertain or fearful. Both are motivators, but with very different impacts on our well-being and performance longer term. Again, a consistent message is the need to be authentic and true to your values, to avoid trying to be something you're not and avoiding making hasty decisions to prove your worth. And that might also mean leaving the rule book behind in order to be more spontaneous and creative. That awareness alone will possibly shift behavior to become more relaxed and less planned. Self-development really does start with self-awareness. And of course, there's the amazing Grenada story. So my final question, name one thing you'd like all business leaders to be doing now. I've said this word a few times, I think today, communicate really. I think just communicate. Um, uh, there, I've heard this phrase a few times as well over the last few months, the idea that we've all been in the same storm, but not in the same boat. Yes. Uh, and that is, that is so true. Uh, it's a bit hackneyed maybe, but it is definitely true, I think. Mm. And everyone's experiences are different. Mm. Everyone's needs, wants, desires are different. What they may have been two years ago have, has probably changed again. Um, and the only way that you understand people is if you ask them and then you listen. Mm. Uh, you don't ask people for the sake of asking them, but you ask them because you genuinely want to know what they've got mm. to say. Mm. And then you take that on board and you try and build on it. So 
I think all business leaders now need to be communicating and engaging with their staff because it's it's crucial um, to meet the challenges over the next couple of years, I think. Absolutely. I'd love absolutely every business leader to respect everybody who works for them within their organization and show, show that respect and respect them as human beings, whether they're individuals who are performing well, badly, indifferent, brilliantly, you know, respect them and treat them as humans. Um, and if that was happening in leadership, then I think, I think we'd have a better business community and I think we'd have a kind of a better world. And I'd probably just add on top of that, that, you know, look outside, think of, think of the contribution as a leader that you're making to, you know, the challenges that we have on a, on a more kind of global level, because mm. a lot of these challenges are very, very real and, mm you know, let, let's kind of look after our planet as well as our people. Mm. So I think listening and learning, I, I think I really strongly think that, you know, and not just listening, really listening, not even active listening, really listening, yeah. <laughs> like almost beyond that. Um, listening and taking action and, and considering ethical decision-making as part of that as well. And whether that's about how you treat your employees, whether that's about the decisions you make as a business, um, this is going to be a huge driver for people towards businesses in the future is how they understand ethics of the company and that people are listening, you know, older generations that are at the top are listening to the younger generations. And I think that's really important too. And that's one of the ways that we can promote change is if you change the mindset of what you're doing and it's, and you're able to inject some ethical decision making in that as well as listening and really listening to your mm -hmm. to your employees and listening to the market and listening to what people are saying then you create a much better experience for everybody it's it's something that i talked about in our conversation earlier um it is to recognize that the staff play a major part in the success of a company and and as i said doesn't matter how you define that success, profit, revenue, customer satisfaction, innovation, whatever it is, staff are key to this, you know? And if you jump forward 50 years and say, okay, well, we now live in a world of, of AI and actually robots and machines are making all the decisions. Well, the humans are still in the loop somewhere and we're still coding this or whatever it might be, you know? So. The human right now and, and for some extent to the future are a major part of the success. They are humans in this great big machine. And uh, you need to invest as much time in getting things right for your staff as you do brainstorming strategies and come up with amazing client satisfaction surveys and whatever that might be. Invest time in your staff, treat them as individuals and not as a group of monkeys doing their individual roles. Because the better they are, the more they feel a part, appreciated as a part of the team linked to the output of this great big company, however big it might be, as long as they feel that and they really feel it and they feel valued and looked after and invested in, and they will flourish and become the best version of themselves. And you, the company, your team, your goals, you will benefit hugely from that. So do not ignore that value and 
treat them as, as individuals? Just thanking their staff, their employees, and in a way that suits the, the employees, whether that's financially, whether that's verbally, physically, just something to show people that they are valued. Mm. And I know it happens. I know it does happen. It happens a lot. But I just think it should happen more. Yeah. You know, if you've got something, if you've got a gripe with someone, you know, the classic sort of shit sandwich. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't just gripe with them. You know, yeah. be positive about it, you know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, gratitude, because ultimately as a business leader, the people you employ are helping you hit your goals. So if you don't appreciate them, Precisely. particularly nice place to be. When they say about showing up and being their authentic self, I really want them to be it. Mm. I mean, I would, when people start get, when very senior people stand on stage and talk at conferences, they've practiced it. They've had voice coaches. They've had someone use the words specifically to get the right outcomes. I'd really love it if they just dump some of that and just be normal. Mm. because if you're the normal person looking at them you're kind of thinking oh they do a brilliant job of that oh they do that but you what you don't see is the entourage that goes around them mm. you don't see the prep work you don't see the hours that it's taken somebody that's a speech therapist specialist that that knows exactly the right combination to get the punchy hits I'd really love to see someone just not, you know, mm. or even fumble a few notes every now and then. Just like that. When people say bring your authentic self to work, I really want them to do it. Yes, not just pay lip service, which I think a lot of people are falling into that trap right now. Yeah, exactly. I Ideally, just focusing on the people. Mm. Says it all. Uh, yeah, and it you know it's such a simple and obvious thing, but it in reality day to day it's hard. And if if you've got you know if you've got shareholders on your back and or owners on your back to do stuff, not everybody gets this stuff. They really there are there are probably more people out there that don't get don't see the benefit it's so frustrating because the value of businesses that you know the performance of businesses will go through the roof if we were all doing this if we were all just focusing on the people there were clear themes being repeated here the need for good communication asking questions really listening and acting on what you hear being ethical for the people in your company and the wider context of the world outside your organization respecting everyone, showing it by getting things right for people, recognizing the contribution of employees to the overall success of the company. And the need to be authentic really came through too, to be less polished and more real. And Sally went on to provide an example of closing the loop, making people more aware of the impact of focusing on the people. I think, I think some people don't they don't even make the link back mm. so, so recently I, there's been lots of examples of things that have gone really well here at Bray and I will sit with my team and say well you know what that's happening that's happening because this is happening but I don't think people always make the link mm. and, and therefore it undervalues the people stuff that you're doing you're doing the mm. people stuff but you're not actually linking that to the improved performance yes and and, and and that's where if you don't take the time to think 
why did that go well so so the machine project i was talking about it's gone really really well and 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 i said it to Naz, my director, my ops director who, who'd done it, I said, it's gone well because of you and your people and the way you're managing them and the inclusiveness of the project. That's why it's gone well. And the emotional engagement to that project of, of people, and I overheard a conversation a couple of weeks ago when they decided it, it was coming in, they were going to put it straight in situ. And one of the guys kind of said, is that is that all right so so if we take it in but we're still manufacturing is, is that going to be a risk to, and and I it was just like brilliant you're you're doing exactly what we've asked you to do you are speaking up you are saying to a director level post you know I'm not sure we should be doing that and you know what they ended up not doing that brilliant. It, you know all credit to Naz as a senior head of department he heard that little voice and he kind of went Okay, well, let's think about that, shall we? We think, and and then what happened was they brought it and they stored it and they cleaned it down and then they took it in on a non-production, and it, but it's linking, it's mm. linking those behaviours. So the fact that that happened, had that not happened, we could have taken a machine in, we'd have been manufacturing a batch. If there'd been a contamination of that batch because of doors open, we could have had to scrap a batch. That would have meant we wouldn't have been able to deliver to the all of these knock-ons. Yeah. They didn't happen just because they happened because of the culture of the business. Mm. But you've you've got to you've mm. got to highlight that, otherwise it doesn't get seen. But it's such a good question you highlighted. Why did something go well? Why was that successful? And that's the yeah. question we just don't ask enough. Yeah, yeah. The insight these leaders have shared about their own journeys and principles are a great way to end this first series of Beyond the Water Cooler. I wonder what your responses to these questions would be. If you could rewind 10 years, what advice would you give to yourself? What two things have you learned about yourself during your career? And what one thing would you leave in the past? And what's one thing that you'd like all business leaders to be doing right now? How do your reflections impact on your self-awareness? So how do your answers to those questions shape your next steps and of course as we conclude this first series that unpicks what we mean by employee experience what will you take forward to influence better things for yourself and those around you in the future so we're going to be taking a short break now but returning after the easter holiday to launch into our next series all about planning for employee experience so listen out for the next episode on friday the 29th of april in the meantime, stay well and continue to be an amazing role model for all those around you. Bye for now. Thank you for joining me today on Beyond the Water Cooler. If you love it, I would really appreciate a five-star review as this helps more people to find the podcast. And if you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe so you get notifications every time we publish a new episode. If something in this episode has got you chomping at the bit or if you'd like to discuss the topics covered in this podcast further, please do get in touch and we can continue the conversation. You can find me at lisa at itstimeforchange.co.uk. My details are in the show notes. If you'd like to be kept in the loop on what I'm getting up to, I publish a monthly roundup. To sign up, head over to itstimeforchange.co.uk forward slash join the club. 
I'm always looking for new, interesting people to chat with on the Beyond the Water Cooler podcast. So if you have a story to tell or know of anyone who would be an inspiration to talk to, please do get in touch. And lastly, I'd love to know what you would like to hear about on the podcast. So drop me a line for all suggestions. And that way I can make sure that what I'm talking about is most helpful. See you next time. Thank you.